Welcome back to the show. On today's episode of the podcast, I am talking to you from the west coast of Sweden, where I am exploring a little bit of my ancestral connection to this area of the country. But mainly today on the show, I actually speak about grief, particularly the grief of losing your dog or your pet or one of your fur babies that you love more than life. I talk a bit about what it was like for me to lose Pepper, just mine and Dennis's first dog together, and how that actually was the hardest thing I ever went through in my life. And I think all in all, today's episode really is about love and how to navigate at the end of that love. And is there really such a thing as the end and what happens when we die? Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Hello, 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 my darlings. Welcome back to the show. It's Rachel here. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) And uh, this week, I am bringing you a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart, talking to you all the way from the West Coast of Sweden. So we are about, it's about a six hour, five or six hour drive from where we are on the west coast of Sweden, which is actually the coast of Sweden that has the sea. We're on the, everyone has been confused. I've been sharing some stuff on social media and they're like, how are there oysters and mussels and jellyfish and, you know, starfish and all this kind of seaweed? Like, how do you find that in the lake, you know? But we're actually not in the lake. This is the North Sea. Um, So it's the west coast of Sweden. It's the part of part of Sweden that becomes kind of the Norwegian Sea and then eventually you know it connects to the North Atlantic oh my god who am I trying to like give anyone a a geography lesson but basically it's the North Sea which is yeah like where the Atlantic Ocean kind of moves up into the north and becomes the Norwegian Sea anyway that's where we are so it's this little sliver of ocean that's right in between Norway and Sweden and we're also very close to the most northern point of Denmark. It's a geographically very, it's just a very beautiful place. Very, very different in terms of of nature and also in terms of feeling and and energy from the opposite coast. So we are on the east coast of of Sweden. Anyway, before I get into all the all the stuff about what's going on over here, just so you know, I am sitting, (laughs) I am I, I wish I was because it's so beautiful here. It's really, it's it's a dream how beautiful this part of the country is. I wish I was sitting in some beautiful room overlooking the ocean and the sunset or something. But I'm actually sitting in a weird little kind of conference center, like a business center of this hotel where we're staying. It was the only quiet place I could I could find to record this show. And I'm looking at a whiteboard 
and like a bunch of like officey stuff. I have no view of any kind. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the floor propped up on these cushions. It's always what I do when I record the podcast on the road, which I used to do much more than I'm doing now. I always end up sitting on the floor, propping my microphone up on a chair because that's for me the best posture. It's like the most ergonomically functional way for me to for me to sit here. But I always end up in these like weird places. And I'm a little bit worried that if someone would walk by, like I'm wearing this red hippie dress with fringes on, and I don't look at all conferency, and I'm sitting on the floor barefoot. So if someone were to like walk into this little conference center now, they would be like, what is, what is this person doing? Anyway, I'm here and it's been a wild week. It's really, it's been, it's been such an emotional week that I, I, I don't even know where to begin. And we've had a lot of just deeply emotional stuff happen in, in our family and, with some of our best friends and family members and things that I that I'm not gonna that are just too private for me to share the details of. But I had to kind of zoom out and kind of astrologically look at <laughs> look at the week just because of it's just because it's been one thing after the other. But we had this trip planned. Um, Dennis hasn't seen that much of Sweden. And to be honest, you know, when I was a kid growing up here, we had kind of the parts of the country that we would go to. Uh, we had a summer house in a place called Vestervik, which is on the East Coast, but more down South, that we shared with my aunts and their families. And I spent most of my summers and kind of holidays and vacations. We would always go there, um, which in a way is like the nature is kind of similar to, to where we are now, even though it's on the opposite coast, but it's also ocean. It's It's brackish ocean. And where we're living now, which is close to Stockholm, it's it's lake. And it's like the, just the feeling and the energy of being on a lake. You know, it's very peaceful. It's very calm. It's very, there's something very comforting, I feel, about the lake energy. And then standing on a beach, you know, or on the shore of an actual ocean, there's a, just a completely different feel in the air. You know, that salty, almost like static air and the wildness and the freedom, you know, there's always something very unpredictable about the sea that I don't, it's a very different kind of feeling than I get from, from being on a lake. And in our country house or our summer house growing up, it's that feeling too, you know, and it's more arid and rocky and cliffs. And of course, the water is totally different. So we used to travel every single summer. We would go down to the southeast coast and, and, and basically live there for the summer and then go back up. That was my, my childhood. And for my dad, when he grew up, he was on the opposite coast. So he spent all of his summers on the west coast of Sweden, right where we are now. He, he was basically kind of almost raised by his grandparents on my dad's side. So his, my great great-grandmother and my great-great-grandfather. Wait, not great-great. How many greats? <laughs> no, my great-grandfather and great-grandmother, right? My grandpa's parents just had a huge role in, in raising my dad. And from, from the time that he was three years old until he grew up, basically, and, you know, became an adult, he would, for every summer break, every single summer vacation, which, you know, it's, it's, it's several months in Sweden here, you get like 10 or 12, like a, like all the all the weeks, you know, 10 weeks. They would go down here to, to exactly where we are now, and he would spend the whole entire summer there until it was time to go back to school, and he would be there with his grandparents. And then he would go back to school in Uppsala, where, where the family's from. And uh, he's a very sentimental guy, my dad. I don't think he would call himself that. I think we see him very differently than he would describe himself, but he actually is a very nostalgic, very sentimental, very family-oriented type of type of guy. And as soon as he was able to, he bought the property next door to the very same property here where he spent all his summers and where he grew up. And for a very long time, that property has just been kind of sitting here. There's no running water. There's no electricity. But he's always talked about it that, you know, one day I want to I wanna build a house here. 
and I want to have it be the summer place, you know, for the whole family to vacation. Like he's kind of wanting to recreate those beautiful summers of his childhood, which was fishing for lobster in the ocean here and fishing for crab and walking barefoot everywhere you go. And it's this very small community where everybody knows everybody. And I think it was just very, very wholesome. And probably some of the most cherished days of his life happened on the west coast of Sweden here in the summertime. And I have been, when I was little, he's taken me here, but I I can't really remember any of that. And yeah, all summer long, he said, why don't we go? Why don't we go over there? And I can show you guys the space and we can just have a week and enjoy. It's so beautiful. And Dennis has never seen this part of the country either. So we just decided, okay, let's go. And got in the car and drove over. And <laughs> and it's so funny to me because Dennis, my my darling husband, he's so, he's such an ocean boy at heart. You know, he grew up on the ocean, literally small island in the Caribbean. He spent his whole entire life on the ocean. And I think <laughs> there's something a little bit unnatural to him to not be on at the sea, you know, even though we are very close to the lake. Now it's not the same. And something just happens with him to him when we get to the sea. It's just, I, he lets his hair down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he feels so at home. He immediately blends in. And it's not like, we are in a super small town right now called Fiskebeckschil, and then we've been spending some time in an even smaller place called Grundsund, where I think there's like a couple hundred people living there. I mean, it's so small, and all these little houses are packed one on top of the other, just on the ocean. It's it's almost like have you seen postcards or if you've been to Greece and you've seen those those photos of the little white villages of all the houses, the stone houses just built from this white stone with the little blue shutters and the blue doors, you know, and all the houses are literally stacked on top of each other, almost hanging over the cliff, like hanging down over the ocean. This is very similar, or I get that same feeling, except it's Swedish, Swedish houses, and it's all wooden panels. And it's all like little fishermen villages, basically little fishing villages. And he has just... I don't know. <laughs> He's decided he really wants to get a sailboat. So everywhere since we, I mean, we've only been here a few days, but he's every dock we go to and there's a dock everywhere. I mean, there's just the oceans there everywhere. There's a harbor everywhere. Everyone is on a boat. He has to like head out on the dock and look at the boat. It's almost like he's kicking the tires, <laughs> but it's the sailboat. And because it's the end of the season, there's a ton of people selling like boats that need to be fixed up, you know, kind of like you could sail it right now, but you probably need to do some work, you know, to make it, to to make that boat kind of trustworthy. He's found, he found a boat for $300, (laughs) a sailboat, like an actual sailboat. And in the description, it was like sail ready, totally fine. You know, and I'm like, if you think that I'm putting my five-year-old daughter on a $300 sailboat, (laughs) you are mistaken. Like there's no way you're going to put that boat in the, in the lake and it's just going to sink. Like there's no way you can find a sailboat for that little money. It just doesn't feel right. And he's so convinced like, oh, you can get the cheapest boats and you just fix them up. And I'm like, how are you going to renovate a sailboat? Like he knows how to sail. He sails and he was little and uh, he's also very, very experienced windsurfer. So he's very, just feels at home on the sea with the wind, you know, and just kind of the the setup and the the structure of sailing, I guess. But I am, of course, as always, very skeptical. And he's just so stoked and so excited about this new dream. And then he's like, and then maybe next season, you know, we've sailed so much, we want to upgrade, we get a little bit of a bigger boat, then we can get a boat where, you know, you can sleep in it. And then maybe one day we sail across the Atlantic. (laughs) Meanwhile, He's never sailed in Sweden, you know, a day in his life. Like the three of us have never been on a sailboat together. You know, it's like we haven't even started and he's already envisioning the whole the whole new life. And then yesterday he found this little store where they sell fisher, like sporting goods and like sailing stuff, you know, and he finds this like sailor's sweatshirt and a rain jacket, but it's not really a rain jacket. It's like a sailing jacket, you know, so 
See, he's like, look, I already look the part. It's like, if I dress, the, <laughs> if I dress to look the part, then like the rest is just going to fall into place. <laughs> but it's very cute. It's very, very, very sweet. And I do think it would be very sweet if he taught Leia how to sail. I would love that for her, especially there's a lot of big sailing communities around here. I mean, I, I don't know how to sail, but I'm the only one in the family who doesn't. Like my mom and everyone on her side of the family sails. My grandpa was a sailor. Everyone has that kind of ancestry. And I'm just, yeah, I was never so super comfortable on boats. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Anyway, so here we are and it's our first, I think it's our first trip together with my dad and all of his little kids, which are, so he has, I've, I've told this on the podcast, but in case you're listening for the first time, I have this very funky modern family where my dad just keeps having kids. He has seven children. I'm the oldest. The youngest is not even three. So there's 31 years <laughs> between me and my youngest sister. And his second youngest daughter is exactly the same age as Leia. I mean, she's, she's a month and a half older. She's born in Jan end of January and Leia's born in the middle of March. And they just get, get along so, so, so well. And it's just very intense because they have three little kids and we just have Leia, right? And they're three wild kids. It's just very loud. They fight a lot. It's like very intense everywhere we go. And we're used to just, we have one little kid, you know, she doesn't have anyone to fight with. <laughs> she doesn't She doesn't have anyone to push her buttons. Like we're used to, we can go to any restaurant at any time and we never have to think twice like, Ooh, you know, is it going to be okay? Or is this the kind of place where we can take a kid? Like we never think that way because she's so chill. And if anything, like I can bring her some crayons and she's just happy for a whole night, you know, but with the four of them together, it's a whole other ball game. Oh my God. It's a whole, whew, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to everyone that has, and I, I'm so, cause I grew up like that. I had so many siblings and it's just, it's just so much work. It's just the most impressive thing, truly to be a parent to more than one kid. It is just so impressive. I'm on my knees in awe of every parent out there because this is just and we've only been here for like a week you know and I'm already like tired we're trying to take turns like who's who's taking all the kids at once trying to give like I'm trying to give my dad and his wife some space because they can tell they're tired you know they're really really tired but at the same time I'm like hey you chose to like start over like you did this 30 years ago you had all the little kids you know, and now he's almost 60, he's turning 60 next year. And I'm like, you, you chose to start over, which is beautiful. I love my siblings. It's super fun that they're Leia's age. I had a hard time with that in the beginning. I thought it would be really weird, but it doesn't feel weird. It's just very sweet, but it's also like, you know, <laughs> I bet it's a different experience parenting when you're 60 compared to parenting when you're in your 20s and, and 30s, you know, the way 
the way that is and I have done it. But so yeah, so we are here just having a having an intense and beautiful family time and going to this property. It was so beautiful. You know, it was really really so 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 beautiful. And I have a I have a newfound appreciation, I think, for my for my dad and his I can really see what drives him now and I wasn't able to really recognize this before. I always thought it was weird. He's you know, like he bought these farms. Like so he's a, a wealthy guy. I've talked about him a little bit on the podcast, but not so much. He's a really private guy too, but he basically, you know, did really well in business throughout his life and has sort of dedicated his life now in this season of his life to connecting us back to our ancestral like history. So he bought a farm. That's where my my brother lives now. They have actual cows and a lot of farmland. And he bought this farm and, and this was, you know, many years ago. And both me and Dennis were like, what is he doing? Why, why is, why did he buy a farm? And it's a farm in the middle of nowhere, you know, why? And we didn't understand. And then finally found out like, okay, are my great, great, great grandparents ran this farm and lived in this exact house, you know, that he now purchased and that he's now actually developing into something really beautiful and wanting to do this organic farming and keeping the farmlands and having everything be yeah I think he has a dream of making it like a biodynamic some sort of self-sustaining type of place they're opening a bakery there now at the end of the year and they're just doing a lot of beautiful things but it's weird (laughs) it's weird and it was weird until I learned about astrology and I kind of learned how to study his chart and everything in his chart really is is about this you know it really is all about history and family history and this kind of connection to the land I don't know how aware he is of it Um, because if you ask him he might say oh well this is a you know this is a good business decision and so and so but Looking at it now, it kind of looks like he spent his whole life working his ass off to make money. And then now he's spending that money on land that ties us back to our ancestors, which is, you know, A, what a privilege. And B, if I could think of any other way <laughs> for him to to spend the money that he's made in his life, this is probably the the, the best possible way, right? And I really love the idea, especially now that I feel so also connected to our ancestry and also like I'm really returning home in so many ways. It feels like a beautiful intersection somehow of our lives after having spent so many years really far apart, right? So in the middle of this, you know, we are, (laughs) I, I opened the podcast saying it's been a really emotional week. It's always an emotional week spending time with family. I feel, you know, sometimes it's really hard and especially traveling together when you're kind of living on top of each other and there's a bunch of kids involved, like it can be really hard, but it's also an emotional time, at least it is for me, but also right as we left, we, um, oh, it's like this, this thing I'm going to share. It's so, it's so close to my heart and it's so at the surface of all the big feelings I feel about it that it's really hard for me to say without bursting into tears. But, um, so my brother and you guys, you've seen my, you've seen him a little here and there on Instagram. I think he's such a sweetheart. I mean, my brother, he's two years younger than me. He's the only sibling I have. That's, you know, my age that I really grew up with all my other siblings. And, there's nine of us. That's a lot. But, you know, between me and my brother and our closest sibling, there's like nine years. So it's like we were the first ones. We grew up together. We went through all the highs and really low lows of our, you know, first 10 years together. Like we were really alone. It was just us. And he's my little brother. You know, he's always, no matter how much of a grown up he becomes, and now he's such a grown I mean he has a farm he takes care of cows he runs a company like he's a he's an adult right but to me he's always my my little guy you know he's always my baby brother and he used to be (laughs) he used to be he was just he was the chubbiest little baby 
he used to be oh, like I can still it's kind of like I see him as a as a two-year-old sometimes when I look at him with these big cheeks that he had that you could just kind of pinch and he would always follow me around everywhere and I was always very very protective of him and kind of felt like it was my job to take care of him and keep him safe and we really have this very close bond you know and no matter how much of a grown-up he becomes I'm never yeah I don't see him like that <laughs> I guess this is kind of the the what it's like to be to be the eldest right you always have that kind of feeling with with your siblings but anyway so he has a dog my brother my brother's name is Ludwig he has a dog his dog's name is Hammer and if you've ever met Ludwig you've met Hammer like if you've, if you've ever met my brother you've met his dog and he he's the kind of dog I don't know we've been talking about this so much this week because like Dennis and I have dogs. We've had four dogs together. We have three now. One of them passed away. It was, yeah, the hardest thing we ever went through together, you know, by far. And we have Ringo, who's kind of like our baby. And then we have the two older girls, like Dennis had Laika first before we met. And I had Keela before I met him. And, um, and they're in their own little pack, right? And Ringo, in a way, is kind of our little baby. Like he's the one that sleeps in bed. And we've had him, we've had them all since they were tiny, tiny puppies. But it's a different thing living alone, having one dog, you know. Like my brother doesn't have his own family. He spent most of his life living alone. He spent nine years living in LA as a musician and then moved to Sweden past, what is it, four or five years he's been in Sweden. And most of the time he's been really alone. You know, he's not married, doesn't have any kids, has a lot of good friends, but he's really been alone. He has a girlfriend now, but for really, she's the first girlfriend we've ever met. So he's been very kind of like a lone wolf in a way. And it's been him and Hammer. It's him and this dog. And Hammer's also, he's the only dog from all the dogs in our family. And there's a lot of dogs around. He's the only one that walks off leash. He's the only one that is totally totally trained, totally behaved, very mature. Like you tell him something and he just listens. You know, he can walk down any trafficated road without a leash and Hammer's just going to be right there at his feet, you know. And it's not like Hammer is his baby, the way Ringo is my baby, because Hammer is not this helpless little dog. Like Hammer is a dog dog. He's a big boy. And looking at them together, it's always been like they, they somehow, like they are each other's soulmates, you know. And wherever Ludwig goes, Hammer's there. You know, he brings Hammer everywhere. He has, you know, when he goes to the office, he's with him all day. He's, when he's out on the farm, he's with him all, like he, they they never are, they're never apart. And they've traveled a lot together. Like Hammer spent, I don't know how many months they were in Aruba visiting me there. Um, Hammer's been to Spain with him. They've done huge road trips. I mean, he's just, he would never leave him behind for anything. He's like, he's, this is his whole soul life focus is, is Hammer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And this week, um, yeah, right at the beginning of the week or end of last week, we found out that Hammer's really sick. And uh, he's had some stuff, just all of a sudden has a little bit of a hard time breathing over the past couple of weeks. And we have dogs, they're all older. Like Dennis and I, Keela and Laika, our girls, they are almost 14 and almost 15. You know, Laika's going to turn 15 in January. That's really old for a dog. That's really, really, really old. Hammer's 13. My mom has a dog that's going to be 14. Um, so we have these like four older dogs that have always been a part of the family. And we've talked about it over the past few years because they're all pretty much the same age. Eventually, we know they're going to pass, right? That's the, I don't know, it's the hardest thing about 
about loving a dog. You know, it's like they bring such intensity to your life and so much love to your life. And from the moment that they're a puppy, you know that you are going to outlive this, this being that you love so much that it becomes a part of your family. And we've all, we've always kind of known like there's going to be a year and all of a sudden one of them is going to pass. And then probably the rest of them, like they might all pass closely to each other because they're also getting to that age. Right. But somehow I've been, we all thought that hammer would be the last one to go. Absolutely. Last one. Cause he's the one who's had the most vitality and he's just the sturdiest one. You know, he's just such a big boy, but very healthy and very athletic and, He's probably the one that eats the healthiest and that gets the best exercise. And, you know, my brother takes such good care of him. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, yeah, a few weeks ago, he just would have a hard time breathing and they couldn't figure out why there's nothing wrong with his lungs, nothing wrong with his heart, his, you know, liver, kidneys fine. And then it just got a little bit worse and then it got worse and it got worse. And then a couple of days ago, we found out that he has a he has a tumor in his sinuses and he's going to die. And, you know, and it, it's so strange because it's not like, like we love our animals, like we love our children, you know, anyone who has a dog or a cat or a, an animal that, that really is a part of the family knows what this is like, right? And of course, it's not the same. It's not the same as a human child, but it's not far off. In some ways, it's, I don't know, you know, the the love you feel for your animal. It's like, it's a strangely unconditional love. The frustrations that you sometimes have with your kids, the tiredness that you get with your kids, like all of the hardship that comes with parenting. It's like, you don't have that with your dog, Right. Especially so if you imagine having no kids and it's just you and your, and your dog, it's you and your, it's you and, and your soulmate, you know, never had a, never had a hard day in their lives together, you know, in that sense, there's something so pure about the love that we share with our dogs, something so unconditional, so innocent also, you know, because our dogs are so they're so innocent. And it's like, no matter what happens, no matter what you've done, no matter how your life's going, you know, you open the front door at the end of a hard day and like, there they are so happy to see you always so happy to see you. And I wrote about this in my, my book and to love and let go. Um, it was, uh, it was the hardest chapter for me to write or the hardest piece of the part of the book for me to write was to write about when we lost Pepper um, mine and Dennis's first dog together. And I've been thinking about him so much lately because it's really the only experience any of us have really had with, with losing one of our little babies, you know, and, um, and then finding out that Hammer is really ill. And first it was, yeah, in the weekend, we almost didn't go on this trip. I didn't want to leave my brother alone in case he would pass. And, and um, they had to sedate him to do some tests and to do like a, not a biopsy, but to do a kind of scan. And then for, there was a moment where we didn't know if he was going to wake up because it was really bad. And it felt so sudden. It felt so, you know, like he's not prepared. You know, you, you need a moment to at least wrap your head around kind of what's happening, you know. And there was no moment. There was no, ugh, the the curve was way too sharp that all of a sudden, okay, he's, he's a little bit, you know, struggling a little bit. And all of a sudden, like, he's, he's just going to die. Like there was no time to wrap your head around it. And then I've been thinking a lot about when, when Pepper died, because it really was this out of the blue, like I was not prepared. I was not, and he was, uh, he was a baby, you know, he was a baby. He was four years old. He had, you know, he had a lifetime ahead of him. It was, I always had that feeling like it was not his time. Like we were just robbed of his time. And him and Hammer, actually, they were very similar. Like they are the only boy dogs kind of in that 
sense. I don't know, like Ringo is a boy, but Ringo's a little fancy Italian greyhound <laughs> that like he resent more, he's more like human or cat, maybe he's, he's not, you know, and then we had Pepper and Hammer, the boys, boys, you know, really like, like a boy dog that would just like run outside and you know, chase squirrels and fetch big sticks and get really muddy. And, you know, you could take them for a run. Like Ringo would never, Ringo would never, it's beneath him <laughs> to get dirty. You know, he would never, <laughs> it's just like a different kind of dog, you know, different personality. But Pepper and Hammer, even their names are similar, right? But they were just very similar and, and got along so, so well. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, Pepper didn't show any symptoms at all. We didn't have, he was paddleboarding with me, you know, a couple, like a week before he died. We were going for runs. We were, we were in Sweden. Dennis and I had just gotten married and we spent, I think, two months in Sweden because we got married in Sweden. And then we went for our honeymoon and Pepper stayed with my dad. And uh, Pepper and Ringo stayed with my dad and his wife. And they had like their own adventures and, you know, there was nothing wrong with him. And what had happened over the months before, it's like he would have a moment where all of a sudden he, his stomach was a little bit unsteady, like he would have a little bit of diarrhea and just like a bad stomach. And we would take him to the vet and they said, nothing's wrong. It's just like a little stomach flu, or maybe he's just a little sensitive with what he's eating, you know? So he was on this like stomach sensitive, I, I guess he, what was he eating? Like rice and lamb mixture. I don't know, something just very, very gentle for, that you give for dogs. And then it would happen again a couple of weeks later and we would take him back to the vet and the vet would say, nothing's wrong, everything's fine. And it's so, it was so strange because before we went to Sweden, you know, Pepper flew with us on the plane. He had to get a big vet checkup where they check his blood and everything. And there was nothing wrong with him. And then when we were in Sweden, he saw the vet several times and not a single one could find anything wrong, you know. And even like one of Dennis's really old friends is a veterinarian who was at the wedding, who also like did a checkup on him and we took it and, you know, they didn't find anything. They just didn't, you know, and then he's, he would have a little bit of like, yeah, something with his stomach. And then the next day he's just eating full bowls of food and going for runs and being super wild and really energetic. Like there was, there was no reason for me to be really worried or feel like there's something totally wrong with him, you know? And then... We flew home and it wasn't until like we were on the plane home and he was kind of quiet, you know, and I thought, well, we're on a plane. Of course he's quiet. We're on a plane, you know, everyone gets sleepy on a plane and then we get home and he just kind of slept, which isn't his natural thing. We went for a walk on the North shore and he was in the back. He would always be in the front leading the whole pack, you know, with Ringo like biting at his feet kind of thing. And then that night, you know, he was in the back when we went for a walk. I was like, no, we have to take him to the vet. Let's go. We went in the morning and then turns out he was, he was so anemic. <laughs> like his blood count was so low that the vet was like, like, how is he standing? He should not, this is not like with this kind of blood count, like he should not be standing up. Like, like dogs have died because of this, you know, with, with levels that aren't this bad. This is incredible. Like he's, and, and I'm like, we went for like a three kilometer walk last night. He was just a little slow, you know, and she was like, oh my God. So found out he had this kind of tick disease that takes a long time to develop. So I don't know how they didn't see it when we were already in Aruba and he just didn't show us, you know, he must've been not feeling well, but he didn't show and I think Hammer's the same, you know, Hammer's also the kind of dog, like he won't show you if something's wrong. He's just, you know, how, how some dogs will be like that. And then the vet for us, this was back in 2014, they were like, he needs a blood transfusion with a blood transfusion. He might make it, but he might not. And um, it was just this kind of smack in the face, like, holy shit. Um, and then that night, you know, I just, I, I, I just spooned him all night and it was still like they gave us really bad news. But of course, we're going to get the blood transfusion. We're going to fix it. We're gonna, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And then in the morning, like 5 a.m., I woke up with the sound of him gasping for air like he couldn't breathe. Oh, this is the worst. Yeah, maybe, maybe truly the worst 
moment of my life. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That year was already a really hard year. Like my best friend had passed away and then my grandmother had just passed away. And then this thing happened with Pepper and it was just so much, you know, and it was almost like because, you know, Pepper was my dog. He was my baby. I was in charge of him. I felt so guilty. Like I should have known. I should have seen. I should have known. I should have known. I shouldn't have taken him for that walk. Like I was just going around and around in my head. You know, if I would have known, I wouldn't have taken him for that walk. And maybe that that walk was was what like tired him out too much. And that's why he, you know, I would go round and round in my head, like feeling like I did it, like it was my fault. And he was just, you know, gasping for air. And we like throw ourselves in the car. I'm sitting in the back seat with Pepper's head on my lap and he's just, he couldn't breathe, you know, and we get to the, to the vet and they go, I'm so sorry. You know, he's, he's dying. He's dying. There's nothing we can do. And he's really, he's really in pain. This is very, very, you know, and it was kind of like from the moment we got to the vet, it was just immediate, like they had to put him down and we just had to like hold him and, you know, that was the worst. And we were so, I think about this, like I remember that moment so intensely. I mean, it's like burned into my brain of just him on that table at the vets and And I remember getting this almost like an out-of-body experience kind of thing. Like I could see us from above. Like Dennis holding me and holding Pepper and me with my like whole face and Pepper's fur. And and I could see us and it was kind of like this big breath. Yeah, almost like an out-of-body experience. It was really bizarre. And this big wave of just calm kind of came over me where I was just like, yeah, it's just, it's happening, you know. I can't stop it. It's happening. And I just started whispering to him, like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it became like, instead of breathing, I was just like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I would just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And I know he knew, you know, he knew. He was the most loved dog. And we were in such shock that when it was over, we just left. (laughs) We were talking about this the other day, like, we just left. (laughs) because we were not prepared we didn't you know it was such a trauma like it was such a shock and we're in the car and we're just numb in the car and halfway home I'm like where's Pepper and then it goes honey we we left him like we can't leave him what do you mean we left him you know we have to get him we can't leave him we have to bury him we have to and we just like turned right around and and got him and yeah buried him in the backyard and I think the whole thing was so it happened so quickly that yeah I remember we like sat down on the couch in the living room covered in dirt and he was just buried in the backyard and I text we had a family group chat and I I texted like Pepper's dead and I remember my brother like what you know and it's so it's like it's so crazy because it's been so many years and it still hurts the same you know like i miss him the same i feel the same amount of guilt i feel the same amount of love you know i still just miss him so so much and now it's like i guess it's hammer's time and I just know that yeah, I wish I could take this pain from my brother so that he wouldn't have to feel it, you know? Like I really have this, it's like my heart is exploding with worry and love for him. And it's it's not like, oh, I wish I could, 
I want Hammer to live forever. Like I'm, I know that's not possible. I know at the end they all die, you know, and if we're lucky in this one short lifetime that we get as human beings, you know, we get to have this kind of love for a dog more than once, you know, we ran a wedding last week and my aunt, she's a, or has been a, a farmer her whole life. And Ludwig couldn't come to the wedding because it was my cousin got married. He couldn't come because he was home with Hammer. And I asked like, how many dogs have you had in your life? Because they've always had animals. And she said, you know, too many to count. And I said, and, and does it get easier, you know, putting, putting them down? She said, no, never, never gets easier. It's always the worst day of my life. And I tell myself every time I'm never getting a dog again because it hurts too much. And then some time passes and, and you know, and, and you want to invite that love back into your life because the love and the joy they bring you is so big that even though the pain is so massive when they pass, somehow it's still worth it. You know, it's still, it's still the greatest thing in your whole entire life. So then you, she says, then we get another dog. And then I love that dog for 15 years or 10 years or however much they get. And eventually it's their time. And then I tell myself never again. <sighs> And I just, I wish I could, I wish I could crawl into my brother's body and just protect his heart so that he doesn't have to feel this pain that I know is coming and already happening. But I also know there's nothing I can do. And this is a part of life. It's a part of, it's something that our hearts have to go through or we wouldn't have chosen this. And I have to kind of trust that, you know, even though he's my little brother, he's, no matter how hard this is, like he, he's ready for it or it wouldn't happen, you know, and he won't be the same after, he, he will never be the same. Like this experience will change him completely. Like this kind of grief changes you completely. And it's so, you know. And I know for people who don't have dogs, there's a bunch of strange people out there who don't have dogs. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but for people who don't have dogs or who don't have, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's a strange thing to, it's very hard to understand if you haven't been through it, but it really is a very particular special kind of love. And it's a very particular special kind of grief to lose them. Oh. so yeah so this is happening now and and the funny thing is everyone everyone knows hammer like everyone who knows our family knows hammer everyone who knows who's ever met ludwig knows hammer and everyone feels this very special bond with him and last night we were at dinner and it's um a friend of a friend of ours was there with his girlfriend and he's also very close with ludwig and he spent so much time with Hammer and has watched Hammer a lot. And then my dad and his wife and Dennis and I and all the kids. And then we were just looking at old videos of Hammer and photos of them. And and then my dad's wife starts to cry and like really cry. And then my dad starts to cry, like really cry. And then our friend and his girlfriend started to cry. And then me and Dennis are, and we're all sitting there you know, so far away at this fancy restaurant with all of our kids there, just bawling our eyes out at the thought of Hammer passing away, you know, at the thought of Ludwig going through this grief. And I was telling my brother, like later that night, I'm like, it was just so you know, we were all just sitting there thinking of you and thinking of him and loving you both so much that we just couldn't not cry. You know, we were all just crying. And everyone just feels so connected somehow. I don't know. And then a, a friend of mine and Dennis who works with us also, I told her, she's like, oh my God, oh no, is Ludwig okay? Is he eating? Does he have, does he need something? And she lives pretty close to him. So she was like, I'm going to text him and ask. And then Ludwig said, you know, she, they came by with a whole dinner for him and, you know, just the sweetest little care package with treats and, and dessert and like the whole thing. <laughs> and he said, I feel so loved. Like I feel so, so supported. And it's just, 
I don't know. It's like I can kind of be over here so far away and I can see this little network of love and support that's just naturally extending toward him, you know, because everybody, everybody has a dog and everybody loves their dog so much and everybody loves Hammer so much. And of course, my brother so much. So in a way, you know, in all of the grief and all the hard stuff, there's always something so beautiful you know, I like, it's like, you don't notice it in the day to day. You notice it when these things happen, you see how big the love is and how vulnerable everyone can be together with each other. No one's feeling ashamed that we're sitting there crying. No one feels like it's uncomfortable or weird. No one's trying to hide their tears. It's just like, yeah, like we're just on the phone every day, just crying, not, not having to say anything. You know, there's nothing to say. So we have um, two more days over here and then uh, we're going to go home and I think whenever my brother is ready, they're going to decide a time and, and I think I'll be there to hold his hand. And I have this feeling like, I have this feeling like Pepper's going to be there. It's weird. It's weird. I just have a feeling that, you know, maybe Pepper and Hammer will get to run wild, you know, down some beach, playing in the ocean together like they did when they were little. I don't know what comes at the end of our lives, but if it's good, it has to be that, you know, if it's good at the end of your life, then every dog you've ever loved is there on a beach waiting for you to throw them a stick. <laughs> I mean, that's heaven, right? It's got to be something like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to wipe my tears, go blow my nose, and then go meet Dennis and Leah and my dad and everyone for a little bike ride. <sighs> I'm just going to squeeze them all really tightly. And I know at the end of this podcast, you're going to go squeeze your fur babies and your human babies and everyone you love really, really tight. I love you. Thank you for listening. And um, I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. Of course, thank you to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>